Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, <laughs> can you hear how excited and full of energy I am? Because I'm so full of energy. I'm, of course, Marcus Nez, your host, the, the energy one. I don't know. I don't know. I, I got a topic. I want to talk about before I get to what I've been playing, which includes the last case. It's the last case of not Benjamin. It's the curious case of what's this? What's the name of this game again? I didn't bring up the list because I'm like I remember these things. The last case of Benedict Fox. All right, last case, last case, last case. And road ninety six mile zero. So look forward to those too a little later in the show. But I have a topic that's related to that somewhat I want to talk about because as I was listening to the MinMax show, this week's MinMax show, they were talking about a game, the, and this this goes in line with what I'm about to ask people and I, I really want to get replies and hear what people have to say regarding this question. They were talking about some game called Sonny's Hatbox thingamajigger, whatever. I. The point that I'm getting to, though, is I think we, as an industry, on all fronts, from critics, fans have a problem explaining what it is about a game that makes it special, that makes it worth checking out, that makes it interesting, that piques one interest. And I say this, and I, I wonder this, because as I was listening to them talk about this game, while they were talking about it and after they were done, they seemed to like it. They all seemed to be overall positive on it. But I had no real understanding as to why. I didn't know what it was about the game that made it special, that made it unique. I didn't get a handle of their experience and, and what it was that made them want to keep playing, that made them enjoy what they experienced already. And I think a lot of us struggle with putting that point across of, of, of making... Uh, what I'm getting at is... When you're listening, like how how often, when listening to a podcast, because I think written reviews and articles in general have been overshadowed these days, especially maybe post pandemic, more so than anything else, by podcasts and videos, where that is the way in which a lot of people consume content these days 
But how often when you hear someone talk about a game or a movie, but, but more so a game, does that conversation get you interested in the game? How, how often do you hear someone talk about a game and that is what gets you interested in checking it out? Uh, whereas, uh, as opposed to seeing a video of it, uh, of seeing a Nintendo Direct, an Indies Direct, a uh, PlayStation Showcase, whatever they're called, Xbox, now they're calling them Directs, maybe. Who knows? I don't know what their mindset is moving forward. But how often is it that it's it's the the critic and their experience speaking on a game and not just what you've seen that really gets you interested in a game. Because for me, in most cases, thinking on it after that discussion of that one specific game on, on the MinMax show made me have this revelation I just wonder and feel like, myself included, many of us don't do a great job of explaining. Of, of I can't even explain what it is that I'm trying to explain here. I can't even explain about explaining. I'm fucking failing horribly. It's also the middle of the morning and I'm fucking tired as shit I haven't I haven't slept well all year I average about two two hour naps a day at the very best that's what I've been living and and surviving on all year not an exaggeration if anything I'm overselling how much sleep I've actually been getting this year it's surprising that I'm still alive. I should be dead by now. Maybe. I don't know. How much sleep do we really need? Apparently four hours is enough. Or less. To function. Well enough. But I, I do... Find that many... Many discussions on games... Can ultimately be boiled down to if you, if you if you look at what they they really said i liked it or i didn't like it and they just have a lot of flowery hollow language that doesn't not significant it doesn't it doesn't really give any idea as to to what I mean, and in addition to that, when they were talking about this Sonny's Hatbox game or whatever the fuck it was called, another issue I think many of us have and fall back on because we have a lot of assumptions and, and assume that the audience consuming our content is well-versed in the industry, well-versed in games, have experienced many games, played many games, and even if they haven't, they know about many, many games, having heard other people talk about it, etc. That we've 
use certain terminology that isn't, to me, as widespread or as clearly understandable as we like to think they are. For instance, this hat box game, <laughs> which it may not be anything like that, but the game that they were talking about had a Fulton-like system from Metal Gear Solid Five, and before that, Peace Walker, uh, Portal Ops, I believe, first introduced the mechanic of recruiting troops, but I believe you just drag them to a, a, the back of a truck. And it was Peace Walker that introduced the whole balloon system. Regardless, they never once, to my recollection, explained what a faultening system is. They just kept talking about how that's one of the elements in the game. So if you never played the Metal Gear games and didn't listen to a whole bunch... Even if you did listen to people talk about those games, having not experienced it yourself, there's a good chance you may not remember what that system was. You will not know what the fuck they're talking about every time they talk about faultening people because they don't ever even slightly elaborate on what that means. And right from the start, I believe it was Ben Hansen said, this, this is a weird game. It, it's it got this from this game, this from that game, and that. I do this too. We all do this. There are certain things that I think we can agree are relative standards, like genres, that there, there is a general understanding of that. So when you say something as a Metroidvania, I think you can safely assume that people understand what that means. If they don't, and I'm not saying that we have to, not that this is a bad thing if we try and do this, but you don't have to act or speak in a way under the assumption that every podcast, every time you talk about a game, it is to an audience who has never played a game before has never listened to a podcast before and is is doing all this for the first time you don't have to act like you're constantly popping cherries but I think it's better to be more thorough in your explanations more descriptive then not I don't know what the fuck I'm getting at I don't know if what I just said made any sense but those are some of my two cents if, if you got any of that at all leave a comment and, and let's let's talk about it speaking of talking about stuff so I played the last case of Benedict box it is a beautiful beautiful game that is that is what stood out to me first and foremost and I think what stood out to most people when it was first I don't know if it was revealed at an Xbox direct or if it was previously known but that is where it really 
got a little bit of a spotlight uh, in addition to it being announced uh, it can't it should be out when you hear this and it is on game pass so that means you can check it out for free if you have xbox and game pass and want to give it a go but the the highlight of the game is the the visual fidelity of it the art direction the lighting everything about it from a visual standpoint is stellar it is clearly inspired by or has inspirations from stuff like lovecraft and body horror a lot of grossness in some of the environments you are traveling within uh, exploring that feel like you are inside someone's intestines or or, uh, organs and it's all slimy and pussy and fleshy at times and the thing about it is that it's so full of color the very the very lovecraftian color with bright colors very neony colors a lot of purples and reds and pinks but uh, regular colors too but a lot of that is going on and because it's so good looking and and the art direction and, and the detail is so good it makes what are when you think about them pretty gross things seem pretty so you're 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 traveling through what looks like it could be someone's intestine and it's gross conceptually but you can't help but when looking at it think man i know there's like this is kind of fleshy and nasty but it sure is pretty <laughs> sadly though the visual quality can't make up for the deficiencies elsewhere structurally the game is very metroidvania-esque where you are exploring these different spaces discovering the map as you are traveling through them And instead of structurally, too, you are trying to unravel this mystery stemming from your home. And you do this by entering the minds of corpses who are in your home for some reason, including because the story is a bit confusing I believe it is your dead father who was in your basement just lying there on the ground all bloodied like they may have died relatively recently a little weird and then your not biological mother I'm presuming stepmother you come across her dead body hanging from a tree in your backyard in your foyer what is a foyer uh but in your backyard, which you then, after your butler dude or whoever he is, 
takes her down and puts her into the gazebo. You cover her with the sheet and then you enter so you enter her body. So instead of like a Castlevania game or a Metroid game where you are in one giant space and constantly exploring it and, and, and discovering more of this one giant area when all is said and done, you have a bunch of different branches to these specific areas that are based upon the the these people's memories and experiences and, and their selves and their their body uh, which is where some of that body horror-ish art direction stuff comes into play and the way it all plays out is that you are finding artifacts discovering objects that will expand the story and in some cases give you clues as to how to get to another area by giving you the code for a door or a safe a lot of finding objects that you can rotate and look at them and and think to yourself well th this is a very well modeled toy truck and i got a little bit of backstory from it but there's nothing else. Is it okay? I can rotate this cool. In in some ways, this game reminds me of the Order 1886 in that you can see the potential there. And there's a lot of visual qualities to it. And a lot of somewhat intriguing elements to the story. But none of it really comes together. And it's a little bit dull. The main problem with the game, that one, before I get to the, the gameplay, which is the, where, where the problems really lie, there are performance issues. I'm playing on Xbox Series X. There is a quality mode and a performance mode. Performance mode helps, but it does not help the game. It does not mean the game locks at a smooth frame rate. There are still hitches and stutters here and there, but less issues than when in quality mode. The problem, though, is that the game itself isn't fun. The combat is super basic, where you have a parry system, a basic attack system, and then a flare gun, which is how you dispatch of enemies quickly and completely without having to brute force and hack and slash excessively on them. The way it works is that enemies will telegraph their attacks. Sometimes it's, well, oftentimes it's hard to read exactly when they're going to attack. It, it, it's not the clearest uh, telegraphing. But you, you don't have to rely on that all that much. Because what you're really trying to do is attack an enemy with your knife, hacking and slashing, until you build up a flare in your gun, and then aim your gun at them, shoot, and it'll be an instant death. Which kind of reminds me of the flashlight system in Alan Wake, only not fun. And then... It's somewhat alleviated because you, you gain the double jump ability 
pretty quickly. It's, it's your first new ability, but it's a, it's a weird double jump system. I'll get to uh, in, in a second. But because you don't have a double jump initially, it's a very frustrating initial experience with the platforming where because of that lack of a double jump, the the jumping works on a you tap it to do a very low jump or hold it to do a longer higher jump however because of that initial lack of a double jump there are many instances where you are jumping from platform to platform and you have to make sure to jump at the very last second and make sure you hold it as hard as you can so that it'll be the longest jump possible in order to make a bunch of jumps. And if you don't, if you're if you're just off ever so slightly, you will miss the jump and have to travel back and, and try again, which can be a frustrating because it, it, it just doesn't feel good. The jump doesn't have a satisfying responsiveness or, or anime. It, it, it feels, it's a very mid jump it's not bad but it isn't good and the double jump mechanic is weird in that you unlock it once you find this artifact that opens up this specific aspect of the the mines you're entering or whatever but instead of it being a you can now double jump everywhere mechanic it is a you can double jump if this glowing purple orb type thing is in the space it's in a lot of areas uh, but it's not everywhere and because it's not everywhere when you still when you get to places where you still can't where you can't it just it's weird just give me just let me double jump everywhere but what makes it even weirder is that because the double jump is tied to this system where it creates a tentacle type thing that gives you, that propels you, that pulls you. There are plenty of times where you are doing a double jump and it seems like the tentacle is pulling you back, holding you back from jumping as far as you could if that wasn't in place because you are, you are tethered to that as part of your double jump. Because if, if you don't have access to that specific part of the world then you can't double jump so you you are forced to interact it's weird it's weird but the combat doesn't feel good the jump doesn't feel good i wish the game instead of deciding to be an action platformer was just a puzzle platformer and went heavier on the mystery elements of the story you have this menacing voice within you that I'm presuming is some kind of spirit or something reminding me of the darkness and, and that aspect of that game and, and the comics and all that yeah it's just it's disappointing the performance stuff is not great it, it, it doesn't make it unplayable it's not that bad but it is noticeable and it is constant throughout. 
the action sucks and the the main reason why I would keep playing and why I think many people would probably keep playing if they choose to keep playing is because of the visual quality and seeing what new areas look like I the game I can't stress this enough the game is fucking beautiful but maybe it's a little bit too beautiful and they sh fucking should have pulled back on a few things to make it run smooth because that it doesn't matter and the story is somewhat intriguing there's also a tattoo system once you find this mysterious lady that allows you to upgrade yourself it's a very linear upgrade system which makes it not pointless but takes a I don't I love leveling in games. I don't like leveling when the leveling system is a linear, okay, here, you have this skill to unlock, and then it'll branch into two different skills. So you get, you'll get a choice there, except in order to unlock the skill after that, you have to unlock the two prior. So it's, it's, you, you don't, you have occasional choices where you have two unlocks in the next row and you can choose which one you go with first but you're still going to have to pick both of them to unlock the next row so ultimately it's all just the fucking it's all for not just like whatever don't don't even give me the upgrade system just automatically have it where i when i gain enough of this currency this energy this whatever just do it for me if you're if you're gonna have a stupid ass system like that One of the positive things before I, I move on to the uh, road 96, mile zero, one of the last things I want to say, though, the very positive thing is that, like in many Metroidvania games, most, I'd say, you do have a fast travel system, so you'll unlock these little rifts in the world, or whatever they are, that you can travel between. What I love, though, this may be something that turns a few people off because it may it seem like it eases the experience and you can adjust the difficulty after you start the game love that and difficulty does not affect achievements and make sure to note that also love that i also love that at the beginning of the game they make note or are sure to have a content warning saying that there are some sensitive subjects in this game and things that may turn you off and make it hard for you to keep playing or, 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 or want to play it or have the ability to play it because it might be stuff you just can't handle. What I love, though, is that in most cases when games have content warning, which I always appreciate, they don't give you the option. They, they, don't, they just tell you what that stuff is right, right at the front, right at the start. What the last case of Benedict Fox does is it tells you that there is sensitive stuff in here. And then it asks you, do you want to know what that stuff is? If you do, press this button. But keep in mind, these will be spoilers. So it does 
warn you that there may be some stuff in here that you, you might not be able to handle, but it doesn't tell you what those things are unless you want to know what they are. So, so you can still, you know, if you don't have issues with any kind of stuff like that, you don't even have to think about spoiling yourself or not. And if you do, you can say, well, do I think I can wait until I reach those points to experience? And I, I like that. But what I was getting at earlier, what I really love is that you have the, the fast travel system and, and these rifts. You can fast travel to any of them at any point, no matter where you are in the map, no matter where you are in any of these areas, whether you are in the mind of your dead father or your dead stepmother or if you're just hanging around at your house any of the fast travel locations you've unlocked you can just bring up the the map go to one of them and fast travel from them not from another fast travel point just from anywhere in any of the worlds really appreciate that 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 makes exploring and navigating the various areas and the fact that you have all these different things that are branching from your home uh, it makes it a lot easier to do all that. So, that's nice. But when the game isn't super fun to play, what does any of it really matter? That's for you to decide. And if you're on Xbox, Game Pass, check it out. May also be on PC. I'm not sure I, on Windows specifically. Yeah. Then uh, Road 96 Mile Zero is a standalone i believe it has to be a prequel to road 96 which is a game that came out a few years ago a very narrative focused game where you were playing a bunch of different kids trying to cross the border in a dystopian s world where i believe it's been a while so a lot of my memory of it isn't great but I believe it was a world where a lot of teenagers or once you hit puberty or reach 18, there is a sort of indentured slavery type of thing where you are you are forced to work for the, the government. Maybe, whatever it is, it's not great. And so you play a bunch of teenagers who are trying to cross the border maybe to Canada. <laughs> Uh, good old Sonny, uh, to get away from it. And while you're doing all this, you'll have little mini adventures. You'll run into people. You'll see specific scenes from different perspectives. In some cases, you'll see the aftermath of a robbery. You might partake in the robbery in a different timeline. It was a little confusing in terms of the timeline, where it felt like the game wanted you to believe you were always moving forward in time. However, you were seeing things from earlier and later, depending on who you were playing, and it didn't really match up. So it was a little confusing in that sense. But it, it did a really, it had something to say. It was well-written, well-acted. And it did, if you ignore the time element, it did a really good job of 
letting you fully explore a lot of this world and learn a lot about these various characters, build relationships, steer conversations in certain directions. And it felt like a fully realized world with deep, complex characters. And I, I, I liked it quite a bit. So I was excited about more Road 96 until I started playing this game because it's it's fucking weird as shit and I don't know who it's for. It opens up with this rhythm game that is is very mobile-ish where you are doing an endless runner behind the back so it's a not a side scrolling endless runner but a 3D endless runner on a pathway jumping or crouching under obstacles collecting these orby things and it's not fun the music's great the music in these sections are great there are multiple sections of these they happen usually between scenes and they have some great musics the the opening one has, has a lot of trombones and i think it's just a musical piece but there's an offspring song so there's some licensed music too the music's great those elements aren't fun then I got out of that and I got into this conversation with this dude I was playing Zoe and my friend Kaido I believe his name was I was immediately struck by how weak and bad the writing was I was surprised by how bad the writing was based on my memory of the first game I was like okay whatever we just started and I'm kind of still in shock by how it all opened with this weird rhythm game, mini game, uh, essentially. Whatever. Then I transitioned to the next scene after I let that one play out, did my bit of talking, and went to this area because you then are given multiple options as to where you want to go, given the game replayability, of course. Why you would ever want to replay it? I don't know. I went to the square. I went to Tyrax Square. And I came across Kaido's mother and this hoity-toity lady who's selling her newspapers. And Kaido was supposed to deliver him, but he's not there because he's supposedly sick. And so I offered to help. And then it becomes another mini game, this on-rail shooter, where I'm just going around fucking throwing newspapers at people, hitting them in the butt. They grab their butt, hitting them in the fucking shins. They fall on their ass. And it's this really silly, weird, totally, I don't... Because there are, there are elements of the story where it's clear the, the, the game has some serious... Fuck you. Fuck you, Alarm. Has serious things it wants to say. But so often it undermines all that with these really silly... Because when you're doing this newspaper thing, this on-rail thing as well... There's silly music going on. It's like, and you're just, what, what is happening? I was so confused by what was going on. And the, the minigame did not explain what it wanted me to do. So I didn't know what I was supposed to do with these newspapers. Am I supposed to throw them in the mailboxes? There were no mailboxes. And then I saw there were some and I threw them into some of those. I was like, Am I, is this supposed to be Paperboy? What the fuck is going on? And then 
outside of you and Kaido, making it even worse, is that so much of the voice acting is bad. It is real bad. Bad to the point where I am not wholly sure if the majority of the game was actually voiced or if it is all AI generated from a bunch of people reading a handful of paragraphs that are pre-designated as good paragraphs for AI to take what you say and generate 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 a good enough fake human from your voice guess what it doesn't if these are all actual voice actors y'all fucking you got to you got to you got to fucking liven up people because you sound like ai and then the two main actors they sound like they recorded their lines in various locations sometimes one line after there there was a, a point where kaido was speaking and one sentence sounded clear and fine and good and the next one the levels were different the clarity was bad it was like he was in a completely different space even though we were in the same location in game same scene no change but suddenly he sounded completely different Th this game mile zero feels borderline like a slap in the face to fans of the original and i don't understand who it's for because if you loved the original game i don't see how you enjoy this it's not the same it's not the same experience at all and if you never played the original game and somehow like this you're not gonna like the main game you're not gonna like just road 96 because it's not like this it doesn't have all these stupid mini games and this more light-hearted nature to it so another one of the rhythm sections is after you or escape your bodyguard who's fucking horrible that voice acting awful the writing was terrible wasn't funny and then when you're doing the rhythm section he becomes giant and is chasing you and it's silly and weird and it's just there there is this like class thing in the story and the haves and the haves nots and the fact that you are essentially sort of like the the one percent and your friend kaido is very uh, not well off and living in the only basement apartment in this town and comes from this other area that is very poverty stricken and it's just if, you, if you're trying to have anything serious you you want to say with your story it's not going to work with what you're with how you're handling the actual gameplay so if, if you if you play this as a newcomer and like it don't see how you like how you'll enjoy the main thing and if you don't like this why the hell would you give the, the other one a go which is an actual good game I don't it's it's weird it is weird but yeah I don't I don't like it disappointing disappointing but that's 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 uh what I what I played how poor of a job did I explain all of it I'll let you be the judge
but I, 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 I've said this before. It's, it's, that's something I want to work on. That's something I want to be better at. And only through practice and trying can I achieve that. Can we all achieve that if we think that is an issue or not? I, I think back and always appreciate. To me, the, the shining example of who did this so well is, is Sean Elliott. Games for Windows Radio, GFW Radio. He, more than anyone, the, the Idle Thumbs folk were also very good at it. But Sean Elliott, more than anyone, was so good at describing his experience with the game. And he, he was special in that he was so intelligent, so smart, and so able to explain and describe things. But he had this incredible silly weird dumb sense of humor that felt at odds kind of with that intelligence it's like how, how you're so smart and yet you always you're like you, you talk about second life and and having rain dicks on people what it's so weird and like speaking of second life he made me want to play second life because the way he talked about the game made me want to experience what he experienced because he did such a good job of illustrating it. It's no surprise that he made such a great transition from critic to developer and specifically in, in level design because he has, it's clear he had such a great understanding of how everything, like, John Elliott, Sean Elliott, Sean Elliott, is the gift I wish we still had uh, coming at us in podcast form. I miss GFW Radio. But what I don't think you're going to miss is me, because the show's ending, this episode, that is not the show in general. Uh, so yeah. But once again, I'm Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage if you'd like to find all my links of import the site, the YouTubes, the art, the Patreon, etc. You can do that over at pxsausage.com. So it's just PX Sausage all over the place. I'm everywhere at PX Sausage, and you can find all my links at pxsausage.com. Don't put that there. Just pxsausage.com. No at in the, in, the, in the URL. So do all that. Yeah. I'm not saying you should join the Patreon or, or else, but... Maybe that goal I spoke of is Patreon-related, except the goal. There, there, are, there are some people who, if they join the Patreon, they wouldn't be counted towards the goal. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. But by saying that, it feels like I am. But that's not. This is this isn't some ultimatum. But is it? No, it's not. And Anywho. That'll do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. I kind of want to cut that out. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm not doing any work. I ain't editing anything. Are you crazy? Anywho, like I said, that'll do it for this year episode of the 
pixelated sausage show so as always thank you for watching or listening i hope you enjoyed this here episode and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day and a lovely week and so for now adios arrivederci bye